Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. After two years of outbreaks, R numbers and anxiety, you could be forgiven for holding your breath when this story took off. The monkeypox outbreak, it's popping up in regions where it's really never been seen before. Spain and Portugal, France, Italy, Germany. The spread of monkeypox across the world and also right here in the United States is slowly climbing. Sweden, Belgium, Canada and Australia. Monkeypox has now made its way to Latin America. Cases in the UK are now in the hundreds. So what do we know about it and how it's spread? And should we be worried about it? There are reports, as you will have noticed, someone being treated in intensive care. What is this thing? What happens if you get it? You're listening to Stories of Our Times from The Times and The Sunday Times. I'm Jenny Kleeman, sitting in for David Aronovich. Today, everything you need to know about monkeypox. I am Tom Whipple and I'm the science editor at The Times. Tom, take us back to early May when we heard about the first UK monkeypox patients. How did you hear about it? Yeah, we got a message from the UK Health Security Agency saying that there was a patient being treated for monkeypox at a London hospital, St. Thomas's, where they have specialist units that can deal with things like this. The sole and most crucial piece of information was that they had been to Nigeria, where we know that there's an ongoing outbreak of monkeypox. They had recently returned from Nigeria, and it looked like a rare travel-related case. But since then, there have been many more, and there's no obvious connection between them. So this was a tropical disease that had been brought back to the UK, as occasionally tropical diseases are, but it had been caught in the tropics. There are London hospitals that will occasionally treat people for malaria and bilharzia and all of these other exotic diseases. And, you know, a lot of doctors will gather around and be quite excited because it's something that they've read about but rarely see. Um, and that was what we were dealing with, a curious and unusual uh, arrival of a disease that sometimes happens. At the time, they knew that the disease was monkeypox. What are the symptoms? 
you start with headaches, um, fever, then you get a rash and you end up with these unpleasant pustules that sort of appear full of pus and eventually maybe form scars. There are two strains of it. There's a West African strain and a Central African strain. One of the key bits of information is unlike COVID, it is more severe in younger patients. So it is a threat to children. Were the medical team taking it seriously at the time? Certainly the UK public health authorities were taking it seriously as they should. They were contacting people who'd been in touch with this patient they put the patient in hospital largely for, as has been the case in the weeks that have followed, largely for infection control reasons rather than for concern for the patient's health. But this has happened before. You know, there's been monkeypox from Nigeria that's come here and there hasn't been an outbreak. It hasn't spread human to human. And there was absolutely no reason to believe that that would be any different this time. So yes, they were taking it seriously because it's their job to take it seriously. But there was very much uh, attitude and public messaging that this is not a matter of public concern. But knowing that this is a disease that can be fatal and can be dangerous, particularly for children, there was a genuine concern of further spread when those first cases were found? There was a caution, but I think you would have struggled to have found a public health official then who was saying, we think there will be sustained chains of human to human transmission in this. The World Health Organization will convene an emergency committee next week. I have decided to convene the emergency committee to assess whether this outbreak represents a public health emergency of international concern. That is the highest warning level that they can issue. 1,600 confirmed cases of monkeypox, 72 deaths around the world. They're saying that this virus seems to be behaving uh, in a new and different way. Tom, maybe we could go into a bit more detail now about what exactly we know about this disease and where it comes from, how people catch it. So it was discovered in monkeys, which is why it's called monkeypox. So it was discovered in the late 1950s in outbreaks among monkeys. The first human case was discovered about 12 years later in 1970. But it's almost certainly been around longer than that. And as flown under the viral radar, the the reason being that it's so similar to smallpox, which is an extremely serious disease, the only human disease that humans have ever eradicated, and that killed about 30% of the people who got it. But it looks and behaves very similar to, to smallpox. So quite probably it just simply wasn't noticed and was put down as mild smallpox. A very good hypothesis for why we're seeing a resurgence of it now is because there is protection from smallpox and there's protection from the smallpox vaccine. So if you received the smallpox vaccine, you were protected against monkeypox. But if you are below middle age in Africa now, then you never received the smallpox vaccine because smallpox was eradicated. So Tom, on Friday, the UK Health Security Agency published a new report on monkeypox. What did it say? Well, we've known since the beginning of this that the health authorities are particularly concerned with men who have sex with men. The wider and broader implicit concern was whether a outbreak within this community would then spread, whether it would go pandemic. 
or whether there's something specific going on. And if there's something specific going on, then hopefully it's something containable. So there was a report out on Friday, and obviously these are still early days, but they looked at 336 cases, uh, the first 336 cases in the UK. Of those, 99% are men and 99% are men who say they're gay or bisexual. They're now explicitly saying that they're looking at people in particular sexual contact groups. And we, we know that it mentions saunas, sex parties, dark rooms. So there's an issue. Everyone is very, very conscious about stigma. You know, we've been here before. We've been here with AIDS. A mystery disease known as the gay plague has become an epidemic unprecedented in the history of American medicine. That today from the Center for Disease Control in Atlanta, topping the list of likely victims are male homosexuals who have many partners. Which, of course, you know, wasn't just a gay disease, but it was sexually transmitted. This isn't sexually transmitted. This is transmitted through contact. What is interesting is that of these initial cases, all of whom now will have been very heavily contact traced, their colleagues, people in their family will have probably been contact traced as well. Of those initial cases, it does not look like they have spread. It doesn't look like we're looking at a new mode of transmission from monkeypox, which would be the thing that's really worrying. It looks like, to an extent, it got lucky, perhaps associated with super spreader events, particularly at these festivals in Belgium and parties in Spain. And its mode of transmission probably, possibly hasn't changed, which makes it a matter of concern within these communities and within the subsets of these communities involved in some of these sex parties and these events, but doesn't mean, if that's true, that we are looking at something that's going to take over the world like COVID. There are obvious caveats at this stage in the process. I mean, first of all, one of the reasons why health authorities are very concerned about stigma is they need people to come forwards without thinking they're then going to be associated with lots of stuff that they might not want their friends and family to know they're associated with or might not be associated with. The second issue is we do know that people in the gay community are, for very obvious historic reasons, more likely to come forward and test for diseases around sex. There's a very strong culture within the community because of HIV for getting yourself tested. So that could be biasing the results. Although, as I say, the interesting thing is still we're at the stage where we don't seem to see it spreading. So at the moment, it looks like this outbreak has been contained within a community, a subset of men who have sex with men. What else did the UK HSA report say? What did it say about strains and mutations? Well, it also looked at the genetics of the disease and it found about 30 or 40 different mutations between it and the 2018 strain. Unlike COVID, this is a DNA virus rather than an RNA virus. DNA viruses generally mutate a lot less. Now, looking at these mutations, the report considered ones that could theoretically make it more dangerous, make it more virulent, make it more transmissible. And it found a few that we're watching that are of concern. Yes, there were a few that were associated with it possibly being more virulent. One of the interesting things about this outbreak is we still haven't really had deaths. So our estimate going into it was that this disease is about a 1% fatality rate. We're certainly not seeing that at the moment. Of course, we're also not seeing it spreading in some of the more at-risk young populations, but we are seeing it spreading in populations you might think would be at risk, those who are immunocompromised, perhaps due to HIV. 
And the WHO is thinking of changing the name. What can you tell us about that? There's an idea that monkeypox is stigmatising, whereas perhaps a more clinical or even more technical term, you know, simian pox virus or something, could mean that it doesn't carry that stigma because we don't want people to be mocked for having a disease called monkeypox. We want this to be just another element of healthcare that people deal with in a dispassionate and sensible fashion. How do we get monkeypox under control? Should we be vaccinating people? I am surprised. Also, straight up, I'm surprised that this is still spreading. And, you know, obviously we're, we have to show humility in the face of prognostications about viruses. And I would have very much prognosticated a month ago that this would fizzle out. The reason I'm surprised is everyone I speak to say it's relatively hard for it to spread. And it's relatively easy to stop it spreading. You know, if you have these symptoms, then be careful. You know, it's not going to spread in super spreader events where it goes airborne and infects an entire train carriage, at least so far as we know now. And the other thing, the key thing which you alluded to, is we have a vaccine. We already have these smallpox vaccines. Now, you'll hear a quoted figure of them being 85% effective against monkeypox. Approximately 85% effective. It's proven to be 85% effective in preventing monkeypox. Gives you about 85% protection if you need it. The honest truth is we don't know. That comes from a study of a few hundred people in the mid-1980s. But there clearly is a protection. These vaccines are extremely well studied. They come in different generations. And actually, the ones that we use against smallpox were live vaccines were able to replicate. They had a side effect profile that means that you wouldn't want to just mass vaccinate a population against this. And we're not at that stage with monkeypox anyway. There are later vaccines which we've got in smaller numbers, but that are certainly ramping up. And at the moment, we've got a ring vaccine policy where you find the outbreaks and you try to encircle them. You find people who are contacts. So you try to get ahead of the virus isolate it and stop the chains of transmission where they are. One of the issues of this is because we're talking about the gay and bisexual community, there's an element of stigma to this, which is making the job of contact tracers and public health officials a bit harder. Mm. So if you have the symptoms of monkeypox, what should you do? I mean, you you should contact public health officials, you know, particularly, I mean, not, not if you've just you've know, got a fever and a headache, but you know, certainly you're getting the rash. And certainly if you know that you've been in contact with someone or you think it likely, then this is now a notifiable disease. If doctors diagnose it, they have to inform the authorities so that we can try to prevent it spreading. You mentioned that monkeypox has been around for a while. Have there been notable outbreaks in the past? Well, the the Nigerian outbreak's been going on for four or five years. In the West, up until now, almost all of the inverted commas outbreaks haven't really been outbreaks at all. They've been a few people coming back from Nigeria and discovering they had it and it's been dealt with. And these outbreaks that have taken place in the past, how did they end? Were they contained? Did they fizzle out? 
they fizzled. And that's why everyone expected this to fizzle. You know, outside of West Africa, the assumption was that this was an African disease. And with all of the baggage that goes with that, because when you assume something is an African disease, it then comes under this bracket of diseases known as neglected tropical diseases. And this is slightly a warning that things are going to keep on coming out of jungles, out of markets, out of places where humans meet animals. We're slightly in the age of the pandemic. We can't ignore these. And if you look back, there's a certain inevitability to this. You can see rising cases in Africa. Lo and behold, here it is in in Europe. Coming up, can the outbreak be contained? That's after a message from a colleague. I'm Oliver Wright, policy editor at The Times. My job is to try and explain what's going on in Westminster, what the government's doing, what the government's not doing, and why it matters to all of us. But we can only do this thanks to subscribers of The Times and Sunday Times. Subscribe today by visiting thetimes.co.uk forward slash stories of our times. Life is full of awesome what ifs and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out of pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Tom, since that first patient was identified in early May, what do we know now about whether or not that spread has been contained? It's it's difficult to say. So it's not being contained. I think we had another several dozen cases in the UK announced this week. We'll probably have a load more announced in the next few days. Um, it is still spreading. It is not spreading exponentially. The concern is that this could end up becoming endemic in particular communities and from them, you know, endemic in the country itself. But it, it's sort of between the two. Um, we, you know, exponential growth is not something you want to see at all, and we're not seeing that. But ideally, a declining number of cases would be nice as well. And there's not particularly evidence that that's happening yet. We recently heard from a British person who had had monkeypox, James McFadden. He talked about his experience. James, we understand 
the Health Security Agency haven't been in touch with you at all since your diagnosis. That's true. Funnily enough, not until 10 minutes ago after my story broke, all of a sudden they found my right phone number. Um, yeah, which seems farcical because every day I've been calling my clinic, the NHS Trust, trying to get someone to get people to call me so we can do contact tracing, so we can uh, identify other people at risk. He said that um, even after he contacted the NHS, they ignored his case. They didn't follow up in terms of contact tracing until the story broke. What do you make of that? Um, I mean, it's it's one case uh, and it doesn't sound great. I know that the UKHSA is taking this very seriously and I hope that's an isolated case. I mean, it's not like we haven't just gone through a pandemic, which is contagious and we've needed to contact people. So you think, OK, the virus is different, but surely the infrastructure is there. The Health Security Agency insists they had tried contacting him sooner. To be clear, we're not dealing with the test and trace system like we saw with COVID, where there were masses of volunteers. We're dealing with public health professionals who really do this as a job. So, yeah, it's concerning. From everyone I've spoken to, they're not being blasé about this. So I do hope that's isolated. Given what we know about monkeypox, Tom, we know it's not another COVID, although a lot of people were very weary when they heard about another outbreak of a potential pandemic. We shouldn't be looking at it in the same way. No, not at all. We have a vaccine ready to go, which we certainly didn't with COVID. It spreads very differently. We we can already see that this is not spreading as fast as, as COVID did. The WHO isn't viewing this as a pandemic that's going to sweep the world. It's it's viewing it as something that you really don't want to get established in other countries. If this ends up getting established here and just becomes the background noise, you know, one of the other diseases that we have, that's really annoying. Um, and it's, it's something you very much want, want to prevent. I don't think we're going to see the great monkeypox lockdown of 2023 or anything. I just think this is something that we shouldn't be viewing through the COVID prism. We should be viewing it as a separate problem that has separate solutions and that should be taken seriously, but isn't this epoch-making event. It's a separate problem with separate solutions, but they have the same origins. They're both zoonotic outbreaks. Are outbreaks like this that come from animals going to be more and more frequent? They're going to be more frequent. They have been more frequent. If we look back over the past 20 years, we've had SARS-1, we've had MERS, we've had Zika, we've had COVID, we've had H1N1, we've had all of these things. Um, there seems to be an acceleration. You know, Looking back, it was obvious that eventually one would become the virus. And there are a heck of a lot of viruses in the world. And we are ever more encroaching on animal space through growing populations, through climate change, meaning animals are changing their habitats. And when humans get in contact with animals, there is a risk of zoonotic spillover. So yes, people are worried now and were worried before about the potential for more zoonotic diseases. And this is something that the world needs to consider. But that's fascinating, Tom, isn't it? Is it because of overpopulation, you know, us taking over more physical space? Or is it also to do with us, you know, cramming animals together in, in smaller spaces to feed those big populations? Agriculture, I mean, what is behind all of this? 
a bit of all of that. I mean, one of the big concerns that I heard periodically before this is avian flu, which you know spreads in in poultry. And the idea is that this is this is really bad, but it doesn't go human to human. And the worry is if it finds a way to spread out of poultry and go human to human, then you're you're left with something sort of on the scale of smallpox that's knocking around in the world. Animals can be amplifiers for these things, are domestic animals or domesticated animals, but also there's just lots of novel viruses around. And if we, the more often we come into contact with them, the more likely we are to catch them. And one of the, re- the reasons in the Democratic Republic of Congo, it seems like monkeypox is seasonal. One hypothesis is it's because there's times of the year when people go more into the forest to harvest particular foods, and that's when they get into contact with whichever animal reservoir it's in. We're all still very much reeling from COVID. Do you think our ears are always going to prick up now when we hear about the possibilities of new diseases that are are spreading globally? Are, Are they always going to be on our radar now? I think there's an element of that. It almost goes both ways. I, mean, I remember after the Indian Ocean tsunami, there the were subsequent tsunami scares in Sri Lanka and other countries, and you know people took it understandably very seriously. They, they had they'd had this major event, and afterwards they were very wary of the sea. And of course, there's an element of that. We all talk like epidemiologists, and we all have experience of this one event when it all gone wrong. But equally, I was chatting just yesterday to someone involved in the UK response to monkeypox who was saying that, look, there's there's slightly an element of knowing that the British public is just so weary of these things and not really wanting to ramp up the fear to perhaps the level that it, it might be. And I'm not saying that we should be petrified, but it is a worry. And I think there's a real sense of fatigue amongst them and fatigue amongst us. You've been listening to Stories of Our Times, a podcast brought to you thanks to subscribers of The Times and The Sunday Times, with me, Jenny Kleeman, and my guest, Times science editor, Tom Whipple. You can find all of Tom's work at thetimes.co.uk or in print. The producer was Oliver Adamson, the executive producer today was James Shield, and sound design was by David Crackles. See you again soon.